Welcome to Get Up in the Cool, old-time music with Cameron DeWitt and friends. This week's friends are Amy Alvey and Mark Kiliansky. We recorded this in front of an audience on stage in a community garden at the Dorigo Folk and Bluegrass Festival in October. And I apologize for not mentioning this last episode, but Dorigo is held on Gombeger country, sovereignty never ceded. It's week three of Get Up in the Cool Month, where I feature five of the show's biggest and best episodes ever in hopes that you'll decide to support the show with your money. Get Up in the Cool is free to listen to, but it's not free to make. Or for my guests to appear on. Amy and Mark had to come all the way out to Australia to be on my show. Okay, they were also on tour and happened to be at the same festival. But still, when you're on tour, the way you spend your time really matters, and it helps to get compensated with more than just exposure. And thanks to those of you who support Get Up in the Cool, they will. But I'm going to need a lot more support to keep making the show every week. I know for a fact that about 1,500 of you download every episode. And I think that if you listen to every episode, you should consider chipping in. I would like for 50 of you to become new or upgrading supporters of the show. That's a single-digit percentage of this show's regular listeners. I think that's a pretty reasonable goal. So far this month, there's only been 10 new or upgrading supporters, so now would be a great time to hop on board. And you'll get some exclusive stuff for supporting the show. All new Patreon supporters will get access to some full video episodes from this month, like my interview with Paul Brown, my set with the Sheep Dip String Band at Mountain Grass, and a full video version of this episode. Chip in a little more, and you can get a link to the Secret Bonus Track Podcast, where my guests and I play an extra tune for you, and you can listen on your favorite podcast app. My biggest supporters can download the ever-expanding Get Up In The Cool tune archive, featuring every tune and song ever played on the show separated from the dialogue, and uh, join me for a monthly online banjo workshop. Each reward tier includes every reward in the tiers below it. To sign up, go to getupinthecool.com and click Patreon. Then choose a support level that works for you, or just follow the link in this episode's show notes or its Facebook post. Shout out to my newest supporters, Jerry Hannibal, Paulina Jager, John Weaver, Paul Neller, and Nancy Cohen. And special thanks to Matthew for raising your pledge amount. Y'all are really generous. Thank you so much. I can't make Get Up in the Cool without people like you. If you're unable to support Get Up in the Cool with money, please share the show in whatever way you can and give it a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Just get on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Banjo, or Fiddle Hangout, and Reddit, and tell everyone that Get Up in the Cool exists. And share that Patreon link I added in the show notes, patreon.com slash getupinthecool. I'm happy to make Get Up in the Cool available to everyone, but I need you to do your part and pay if you can, and share if you can't. All right, thanks for enduring that. Just a couple more things before we get started. I want to thank Elderly Instruments in Lansing, Michigan for sharing Get Up in the Cool online with their customers and drastically increasing the reach of the show. Next time you need an instrument upgrade or new music gear, go stock up at elderly.com. I also want to thank Dorigo for having me out to play and teach and record Get Up in the Cool episodes. I had a blast. Y'all should totally go if you can. Make sure to stick around after the interview and I'll tell you where to find Amy and Mark's new album and when and where they're playing next. But first, here's my live interview and jam with Amy Alvey and Mark Kiliansky. Enjoy. Thank you. 
playing. All right. Amy Alvey, Mark Kiliansky. Welcome to we Get it. Up in the Cool. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for having us. Yeah, welcome back. <laughs> so this is the second episode we've recorded, uh, but the first one I was... Uh, a real dummy, and I somehow destroyed the files. I'm sorry about that. Thanks for forgiving. Some, for some will never be heard. <laughs> yeah, we were uh, we were in. Wow, a lot of things have changed since that yeah. episode. You were living in Philadelphia, yeah. and it was really hot. It was in the middle of the summer, and um, we actually were recording at your friend's place. So we're all like on the third floor of that Trinity house. Yeah. So all the heat was up there, but now we're in Australia. Yeah, and That's it's cool. And it is cool. Like we have gotten up yeah. in the cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just go ahead and like plug my show as much as possible during the interview. That'd be great. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I got you. Yeah. Where are we coming We're up networking. with some good puns yeah. <laughs> the other day? Some good get up in the cool puns. Oh, maybe they weren't appropriate. For <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they were family oriented. Yeah. Sorry. Someone suggested get down under the cool for. Oh, get down we're under. Pretty the good. Because we're in good. Oz. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, down. Yeah. Is that a thing Australians yeah. actually say? Down under? Do people actually say that? <laughs> That's just a total, like. You okay. Say it. <laughs> All right. It's yeah. nice for us to Sorry. say. All right. We won't do that anymore. <laughs> strike that from our vocabulary. <laughs> um, people don't say shrimp. Shrimp, shrimp on the barbie. barbie. They just prawns, right? Yeah. Learning so much. It's no ketchup. Tomato sauce. Tomato sauce, yeah. And there's no high fructose corn syrup in it. Yeah. Which is the only thing that I miss high fructose corn syrup in. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. basically what ketchup is yeah. in the United States, is just red yeah. corn syrup. So, uh, y'all play many musics, um, yeah. but I met you through old-time music. Um, yeah. How? I'm going to ask you first, Amy. Like, yeah. how did you get into playing traditional music yeah well it's like it's kind of a, a weird way to get into it but I started playing violin just classical violin in the public school system uh, I grew up in Southern California so you know I was just playing in orchestras I never really had private lessons and then I auditioned to go to Berkeley College of Music in Boston I, I only knew about the school because my best friend had applied at, and uh, so I auditioned and I didn't think I would get in but I got in and I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do in college. I just knew I wanted to try music. So mm. moved to Boston, and it was great. I really enjoyed it. And when I got there, there were, you know, there's a, a big string department. I guess it's not huge. It's definitely gotten bigger. But what was interesting is that in a bunch of my classes, there were fiddle players that have known each other for a really long time because they had been growing up going to these different fiddle camps, um, like Valley of the Moon and... Uh, I love that one. Yeah, it's like one of Alistair Fraser's camps. Uh, he's done another one, too. I can't remember what it's called, but, you know, the Mark O'Connor camps. So, yeah. like, they'd kind of been, in certain ways, groomed for what the American Roots program is all about. Yeah. But, you know, at the time, they had they had an old-time ensemble, they had a bluegrass ensemble, and they have labs, hour-long classes that, like, specifically delve into certain uh, parts of the style. Mm. And I saw the old-time ensemble give their fi final performance of the year um, during my spring semester and, like, was totally entranced and hooked that, you know, cliche moment where it just kind of hits you in your soul. And it's like, that's really cool. It's not an ego-driven music because I was feeling 
really self-conscious and behind the curve going to music school with all these hot shots yeah when seeing like the all these people on stage just kind of playing together and grooving out and it's not about like being flashy or showy it's more just like being this collective sound and um, that really attracted me to it so that was kind mm. of the beginning for me had you played any um had you had to learn any fiddle tunes or any like alternative bowings like before that no yeah just I never all classical yeah i never did suzuki and like you know i learned how to read um i was like i was really actually sight reading was one of my fortes if you will um oh yeah a little classical music <laughs> joke for for you there thanks for laughing that's nice Forte, not have... fortissimo <laughs> <laughs> um yeah and so actually like learning things by ear was uh was a big change for me and i didn't know anything about theory either so improvisation was a big um yeah was kind of a mind-opening thing like even i never really listened to jazz but it, even when i did hear jazz i never it never occurred to me that they were making up all those notes and i did and all i really knew was how to build a major scale so it was really cool to learn about harmony and how to build chords from that and i've come a long way since then so is, is the reason you didn't know theory it was that because in like classical violin you're only expected to know as much as is needed to follow like the, in order to like read music or be in an orchestra yeah i mean what we were really drilled on is just like knowing how to read the notes and where the notes are on the fingerboard yeah. so like up to like fourth or fifth position was really about as far as i got um and yeah just being able to read read that quickly and, re and like learn how to shift appropriately so technique on the violin i remember in high school there was an an advanced placement music theory class but yeah. i didn't i didn't take it um i don't know i did i just didn't sound i think my schedule was full and it wasn't yeah really and plus that stuff is more like the classical theory stuff which right. is different than jazz right and um so yeah i mean there was like i remember my director being like what key is this piece in? And like, you know, we would kind of learn about that stuff, but being that I was usually in the first violin, um, which is like the, the, the section of the orchestra that plays the high part, they usually start and end on the tonic. So if their first note is G, it's like, guess, yeah. yeah, I'm like, G, unless it modulate, sometimes it would modulate to the relative minor, but yeah. you know. Anyways, this so, is, yeah. So you had to learn a lot in music school. Um, did you have to, unlearn anything in order to play like traditional music oh yeah what yeah. you have to change um well uh just like you because i guess in classical music you're reading notes off a page and there's creativity in it like that you kind of have to approach though as an orchestra about how you're going to interpret cert certain things and how you're going to do dynamics but like but I feel like uh, folk music is much more expressive. Um, you know, there's so many different ways to bow a certain thing, which is totally different from like, hey, this, like, even though there might be bowings written on the page, the violin section, like violinists as a section could decide, yeah. we're gonna change it and we all have to do it the same way because right. it's a very visual thing. So, and also like note choices. I mean, it's like, none of it is really set in stone um also i mean the bowing in general like yeah if you told a classical violinist to play a fiddle tune and they read the notes off the page it's not going to sound like 
an old time fiddle. It's not really fiddles. the notes, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's 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 um yeah. That's, and that's why like at fiddle workshops and stuff a lot of times people will always focus on the bow. Also like intonation is not as um important. I shouldn't say important, but you know, it's in classical music, it's you don't have to tune to a hundred people. Yeah. You have a little more freedom. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes, like, intonation can... Being out of tune can be a really cool thing. Like, you know, using little slides and, like, I guess microtones. And not that I'm super into that and know how to do it well, but, like, it's a thing that happens. Yeah, but you're at least intuiting, like... Yeah. Yeah, when to play... Yeah. the note and when to play between the notes and i think the thing that attracted me to it is that it's so gritty and raw like that's another reason i don't i'm not a huge fan of super clean bluegrass for that reason you know like huh. that that grit and raw and like um the ancient tones just really like would you describe yourself as a gritty and raw person yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> you? i mean you're about to go to thailand for five weeks to rock climb yeah. by yourself yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty gritty and raw. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I'm excited for that. If you're not now, you will be by the time you get back. That's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think one of our goals as a band is to be as palatably gritty and raw as possible. Yeah. Palatable grit. Nice. <laughs> New, New band. band name. Name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, should we play something else? I don't know what order you guys want to do these in. Do you want to do the tunes or mix them up with the songs? Or we don't have any idea. Hmm. So uh, we could do we could do a duo song. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. So this is to introduce um, Mark. Uh, you, you guys maybe after this I'll ask how you guys met, and then I'll learn your music story as well. But you're gonna sure. you guys write songs we as write. Hoot and Holler. We yeah. do. Are we gonna do an original song? I was thinking about playing the Milwaukee Blues. Oh, of course. Then do, yeah, 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 do a tried one. That's Please. a song I enjoy playing. Yeah. By Charlie Poole, the first star of country music. This was not his big hit, but I I contend it's a superior song to his big hit. All right, <laughs> kick it off there, Amy. Milwaukee Blues. Give him that powerful grit. 
so the bones can ride. When they ride, they will ride the rides. Put their faith in the hands of God. In the hands of God. In the hands of God. They will put their faith in the hands of God. I think that was extra gritty at 9.30 in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, how did you two, how did you two meet? We met at Berkeley. Um, I, I was brought to Berkeley, uh, yeah, just through the reputation of the school. I heard it was a place you could study lots of different styles of music, which intrigued me. And uh, I, I started out playing heavy metal as a 13-year-old. Was that your Angry. very first musical discipline? My first, my first guitar was a BC Rich Warlock. Hell yeah. Bright red. Yeah. <laughs> Look it up if you don't know what that is. I know exactly what You can tell by the name is. what it is. It's very pointy. Warlock. And, uh, but yeah, uh, playing new metal. Corn and Limp Bizkit were my favorite bands. Sure. Yeah. Um, but I was taking guitar lessons, and then my teacher showed me Black Sabbath, and that was a gateway into... A little more dark yet more sophisticated music, I guess. Uh, got into classic rock, and I just was really interested in studying the guitar and studying music, and I got into jazz in high school. Um, and Led Zeppelin was one of my favorite bands, and their acoustic stuff kind of like piqued my interest in bluegrass mm. because they drew on some Delta blues and some bluegrass some of their more acoustic material and then I saw oh, Brother Where Art Thou and that was just like an eye-opening experience for a lot of people who yeah. like me like grew up in the suburbs I grew up right outside of New York City in North Jersey and like there's no bluegrass music there <laughs> there's no old time I mean there's a little bit now that I've found it and now that there's yeah. some interest in it but I didn't know anything about it and yeah. yeah so then getting to Berkeley and meeting fiddle players and banjo and mandolin and there were a few people that were instrumental in teaching the music and bringing us together. Um, aside from the teachers, I think really Andy Reiner was a guy who was a couple years older than us, and he's a great fiddle player who plays a number of styles. Um, and he would host tune swaps weekly at his house where people would come and teach a Scandinavian tune or an old-time tune or a Texas mm. contest tune or a French-Canadian tune or something. and. Um, for a lot of us who were just getting into it, that was where we were really able to explore the different styles and meet people who knew a lot more and, and start learning about it. As well as the old time ensemble and the bluegrass ensemble, which were, mm. which were both great. Mark Simos yeah. was kind of our introduction to old time. I remember him trying to teach us uh, um, an Ed Haley tune. I can't remember which, but... You know, every Ed Haley tune is super noty. And I think 
And he, yeah, and it was really hard. There were like 10 fiddle players, <laughs> and most of us didn't know what old time music was, and we were playing like, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and if you don't know old time music, those notes don't make any sense, <laughs> like without that rhythmic accent that Ed Haley puts it. Yeah. But so, anyway, so you like, actually got so, yeah, to practice trial by fire a little bit. You actually got to practice playing in an, like melodies, but old time melodies in in college on the I was, guitar. Uh, I did. Yeah. Not so much in class. I was I was confined to rhythm, right? Guitar. Um, but yeah, I got to learn all these different kinds of fiddle tunes, the melodies, and the chords on guitar. And I was really into bluegrass, so I was learning a lot of Tony Rice yeah. stuff. But I was studying jazz composition. But Amy and I, bet to answer your question, yeah. Amy and I met at one of these tune swaps. And uh, yeah, we were both kind of just getting into it. And we were both just like really shy and awkward. And But we became friends. And then we had some classes together and stuff. And we'd see each other around at parties. And then we took South Indian rhythmic soul fetch together. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. That was our true bonding moment. Those, there's like all those tune. viral videos going around. Like oh, the, that's that really hip right now. Insane. Yeah. I mean yeah. that that yeah. We didn't really. I mean we we only scratched the surface. Yeah. yeah. Whew. Talk about delving into style. But yeah. But then um, a few years later, after I graduated, I wanted to live in a house. My first year after graduating, I lived in a random Craigslist house. And it was okay, but I wanted to be around more musical people. The roommates I lived with in that Craigslist situation were not musicians. Couldn't play music after 10 p.m. Yeah. I got to learn Tai Chi from one of my roommates, so that was cool. But I wanted to live with musicians, so Amy was one of the people I called, and Lucas Poole oh, yeah. was another one. And uh, my friend Maggie McKay, Canadian banjo player, and uh, this Scottish... <laughs> flute and piano player Hamish Napier ended up being one of the roommates. He was the wild card. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he was the wild card. He was, he was, yeah. He would like throw fruit at the wall and then refuse to clean it up. Like throwing a fit. He got really excited. He got this juicer. Okay. He ordered this juicer and it came in the mail one day and he's just running around the house shouting, the juice daddy has arrived. <laughs> and then right. he starts Hamish, making right, the yeah. juice. He starts making the juice, he's, you know, as the pulp comes out at the end and he just throws it at the wall, just out of sheer excitement. Yeah. Good, good roommate situation. Yeah. And yeah, he would, yeah, he would just come home every day shouting about something or other that happened, some new, yeah. some new harmonic theory that he learned or some new woman he was pursuing or whatever it was. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so that's where we got to be really good friends and got to play, play a lot together. Amy and I, and we had different projects, but they kind of uh, crumbled apart at the same time. So we, uh, you know, since we had been playing together, we just started playing out, and we started hitting the road. Our first tour was down to Arkansas uh, to visit Lucas Poole, because he was doing a stint uh, learning to build banjos from his dad before coming back to Boston. And so... That yeah, that was our first tour, and it went really well. So we kept doing it. We did started doing this thing called the Massachusetts Walking Tour. Yeah, which some I met Mark Mandeville and Rand Richards on a radio program, and they're a duo of songwriters from Webster, Massachusetts. They started a tour ten years ago now, where they spend two or three weeks walking in the state of Massachusetts and playing free community concerts in every town that they pass through. And I think it was the fourth year 
that uh, you know I had expressed interest in it, not thinking that I'd ever get to do something like that. I was just like, hey guys, that's really cool. I really love what you're doing. And a year later, they they hit me up, and Amy and I were playing together, and so that was one of our first touring experiences too, hiking uh, in Western Massachusetts, climbing a lot of mountains in the Pioneer Valley and playing concerts at libraries and in the middle of the woods and lugging your instruments backpacking around. yeah with our instruments and everything yeah. <laughs> and this is going to be the 10th year for that you're going to it's not our 10th okay. year it's the Massachusetts Walking okay. Tour's 10th year yeah very good but we started playing together in 2013 they used to bring different musicians every year, but once we started playing with them, we just got along so good with them musically yeah. and interpersonally that they they invited us back, and we were crazy enough to say yes again and again and again. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. It's a good thing to do. I like to say it's like repenting for all the, the road, right. the like emissions <clears throat> we're putting out into the world, because we, we tour a lot yeah. in the States. And, yeah. and you're, you're also both, I feel like you're, you're very active physical people and i bet it's like nice to do a tour where you're not just like eating snacks in a car for hours every day yeah yeah it's good to get outside yeah for most of the day we actually canoed at the end of the night yeah this last year we uh yeah we canoed on the connecticut river yes. which is a pretty um it's a pretty mild river but yeah it was like for half of the trip it was all uh paddling and we we had like our our dry bags and everything and and then we would dock off and and uh camp at these primitive campsites along the river and then like hike into our show it was cool it was an interesting good element tour. this year yeah. yeah very good it's pretty sweet should we play another tune or song well uh, yeah well, what do you what do you want to do all three two of you or Let's. Do you want to do another? All three of us. Let's do another. All okay, three. Let's play um, the Cherry River. Yeah. Let me get in see real quick. Yeah. Cherry right. River Rag. Yeah. So it's funny. Mark mentioned Ed Haley earlier, and like you could almost classify him as a bluegrass filler. He yeah. never played the same thing twice. He, but he was just having fun. Yeah. Um, he's a filler from Kentucky. For those of you who don't know, and we're gonna do this tune, the Cherry River Rag. Let's see.
too much. Fun. Too much. Uh, we got toned tone down. down. Yeah. <laughs> you told me I didn't go crazy enough the last time we played that, so I tried to go extra crazy. Mark, just loosen up. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Uh, we didn't mention that uh, the first tune we played was Ida Red. Oh, yeah. It was a version by Lester McCumbers, mm-hmm. who was a great West Virginia player, fiddler, who, who only passed away a few years ago. Yeah, I saw a video, because I looked up the tune, and there's videos of him playing. Oh, it's uh, awesome. Yeah, in the yeah. hotel room or something. With um, Kim Johnson, who is still the banjo player for the flat-footing competition at, at yeah. Clifftop. And I was like, oh, I know you! And uh, I was very excited. And it was really sweet. Like, you know, he'd finish the tune and they'd like laugh. <laughs> oh! Yeah. yeah. It's like, oh, it's so nice to think that, like, that's not like, I don't know, some sort of weird thing that I do that, like, old fiddlers would laugh after a tune, too. Yeah. Like, well, and you could yeah. just, especially in that video, you see him, like, he's like smiling so big by the end of that tune because, like, it was, you can tell it was like, and that's the amazing thing about playing tunes is like you might totally forget about something I haven't played in years and someone's like, what about that Ida Red? And it's kind of like, it's like in there somewhere and you have to bury it out and yeah. you could tell he like has so much joy playing it. Mm. It's really cool. That's one of my favorite weird West Virginia tunes. It is a weird it's tune. so idiosyncratic. Yeah. It was it was hard to figure out a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Amy and I don't agree on how many parts it has. Yeah. It's so like fluid that is it two parts, is it three parts? Is it so sort of like two a and a half? Tag? Is that two yeah. and a half? Mark and I rarely fight, but that's one of that's our That's one of the we, only things we fight, we fight about. about. Let's get into it. <laughs> Band therapy right now. Pizza. <laughs> yeah. You know, what makes a good slice of pizza? Oh, because you're from California, so I'm yeah, sure that. I actually don't really care. Okay. I I've <laughs> don't really care I, about I've pizza. I've gotten into some heated... I I almost got into a big argument with Doug Sharkey yesterday about <laughs> Chicago pizza. Yeah. Quote, unquote. But let's... This isn't about pizza. This it's not about a, old time. This is not get up in the pizza. Get, get up, up in the pizza. pizza. My favorite pizza cast. One of my pizza buds. Um, we're in Australia. We're at the Dorigo Folk and Bluegrass Festival. Yeah. How did you all this get is here? Cool. Um, so... Uh, at Andrew Small and Ashley Watkins, otherwise known as the New Macedon Rangers, um, have have been uh, telling us to come for years, and Dorigo is kind of like the centerpiece of why they wanted us to come. Um, I think it's their favorite, many people's favorite festival mm. here. It's got just a great uh, roster of acts from Australia and from international places and a lot of jamming and yeah it's beautiful it's it's fun yeah (laughs) there were some were they alien pipes with a drum set is that what they were like last night last night yeah yeah there was a really intense band with a drum set and yeah some sort of bagpipe that was really cool yeah (laughs) that's new for me that was awesome (laughs) so so ash and andy were telling us to come over we meet australians a lot and we've made friends with a number of them. Uh, George Jackson is another one who yeah. helped us, uh, gave us a lot of advice for how to book this. We booked it all ourselves. We do we do all of the business side ourselves. So uh, we didn't have a booking agent booking us all these shows. I just got all the emails from Ash and Andy and from George and yeah. just started reaching out to people. 
Good work. And, and that's how we did it. It's it took, awesome. Yeah, it took, it took a year, and it took us like one or two years before that of thinking about it and like yeah. deciding we were ready because we've only been playing for five years, and we've only really been touring full time since 2016. Yeah. So, making a big jump into something like this. Yeah. We Think. wanted to be prepared, you know. Mm. Yeah. And it's gone really well so far. Yeah, where all have you been? We flew into Melbourne and uh, we've played a house concert there. We're going back there again in a week or two. Um, we got to spend a little time in Macedon yeah. with Ash and Andy and we went to uh, Lockwood South to visit Richard McEwen and do a banjo tasting. Yeah. borrowing one of his banjos <laughs> uh, that was built by Mac Trainum, yeah. and it's been serving us really well. And then we went out to the Kangaroo Valley Folk Festival, and we played there last week. Saw a lot of kangaroos, saw a lot of wombats. Yeah, We got to pet a wombat. The locals told us not to, but our hosts told us we should. The so, extra, the very local person. The localist yeah. of the folks. Yeah, for you. They yeah. have this wombat Evelyn that comes up to them every night at 6 p.m. and they feed it grass and they scratch its back and it's like yeah it's like their little friend wombat and we got to hang out with it so Mm. that was pretty cool Mm. and then we shot up to Sydney and played in Sydney and then now we're here we played in Belgium on Thursday you were there. Yeah. <laughs> you know I've been that. tagging along lately. Yeah, and we've, yeah, we've Belgian got times. we've got a pretty wild week coming up. Uh, playing in Newcastle twice on Tuesday. Yeah. Uh, playing in Sydney again on Wednesday. Big extravaganza with the Macedon Rangers and the Blue Ridge Broadcasters and Brian yeah. Brown. And then on the weekend, we're playing in Blackwood, and then zipping back out to the coast here to play in Naruma, and then in Canberra. Yeah. And then we're in Melbourne again, and then Majors Creek. Real busy. So there's the rundown. Y'all have survived driving so far? <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, I ended up on the wrong side of the road yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> After two weeks of driving, it was it was the traffic circle. I went around the circle. Oh, that'll get you. Yeah. And I was looking for a parking space, and I just instinctively went on the right side of the road. And then there was a car coming right at me. And I was like, ah! <laughs> but yeah. it was chill. It was chill. Yeah, if, and, uh, you know... Well, I know this is going to come out way after we yeah. leave Australia, but for those of you in the audience, all of our tour dates are on the internet, hootandtollermusic.com. We're also on Facebook and Instagram. And they have more they have more songs than they would play in just one set, so mm-hmm. you get to hear some different stuff, and obviously they play different every time because they're impressive, improvisatory musicians, so... Yeah, oh. go see him again if you if you can. Yeah. yeah, we're playing later today. Yeah, I can't remember what time exactly. It's in the afternoon though. Three o five. All right, three o five. At the main pavilion. So time for another song. Yeah. Let in tune. Let me your E, Amy. Yeah. Yeah. This one's called the Brood of Hate. Uh, maybe I'll talk a little bit Please. about it after yeah. or before. Whatever you want. After, we'll play it. It's a political song. Ah, the leaves are drying, dying. The air takes on a chill. The shadowed clouds are gathering now upon that. 
that hallowed hill And the specter of the working man's savior Is a bold and a boisterous lie Cause everyone wants to be Jesus Christ But nobody wants to die Trust no man, he wears a suit and a tie. And no man will destroy your land, and he'll drink your blood like wine. And the brood of hate has sprouted wings, they take their wicked flight. They shine their claws and they sharpen their jaws. Scapegoat dies tonight There's a monster in the White House And he's doing his very best To Bankroll and to hide his hollow breast. Three hundred million prisoners from sea to shining sea. The devil hides in a child's eyes and he has your sympathy. your sympathy thank you you're a really good songwriter mark <laughs> thanks cameron yeah it's uh there's a lot of artistic responses to goings on in um in the states yeah and a lot of them uh are really well-meaning but just like just like tiresome and <laughs> and cliche and sometimes i feel like kind of hold back the you know or invite criticism but yeah that was perfect yeah to write a political song that's like can stand up on its own yep. is what i try to do is like you know telling a story or just using imagery a lot of political songs are like rah 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 look at this this is bad this is terrible yeah. woody guthrie had a lot of songs like that and they can be very effective catalysts yeah um but i prefer to to write a song that yeah kind of has its own story and its own world that it's living in and can also relate to what's going on in our world yeah uh i think people are really getting really calloused and getting really tough yeah. Um, and sometimes that can be good, but sometimes it can make uh, people a little bit complacent um, or to shut down. But I feel like you do a really good job at um, 
evoking uh, an emotional response, which I think is really important. Yeah, because yeah. that's what gets like people from any political persuasion to listen. Yeah, to your song is yeah. like having it. Yeah, be be an emotional and evocative song. That's not like shouting at them. Yeah, Doc Box tuning will help. Doc Box tuning. That's good to talk about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The tuning and the style of banjo playing I use in that song comes from Doc Box. He's my favorite banjo singer and banjo player. And he had, if you, if you don't know Doc Box, look him up. Look up him doing "Oh Death." It's like the darkest thing you'll ever heard. It's like if you like heavy metal, then you'll love Doc Box. <laughs> it's scary because he's because when he recorded that song, he was an old man. He had worked in the coal mines all his life, and you know, like whatever. I mean, his natural voice, I think, combined with whatever a lifetime of working did, yeah. just like. I mean, it's it's maybe a little too raw for some people, but for someone that loves raw. It's, grit. it's great. And he had this cool style of playing the banjo. That's a three-finger style, uh, but effectively works like a lot of the two-finger styles work, where he's playing the melody on the low strings, and he's using the two higher strings as his drone, and then kind of usually at the end of the phrase, he'll hit that uh, the drone string, which is the major third. He's playing, Oh, death. minor melody but then he goes with the major third and it makes it super spooky yeah very good Amy you're the um, second best fiddler in the world <laughs> you want you won second place at Clifftop yeah that's right I, yeah. Good job. Thanks. <laughs> hey, I hear you're the fourth best banjo player. Let's not talk about that. Let's talk about you. Um, yeah, that was that was a trip. Um, yeah, so the Clifftop is also known as the Appalachian String Band Festival in West Virginia. Yeah. It's kind of it's officially the, known as that. Yeah, if but you're searching for it, yeah. <laughs> but everyone calls it Clifftop, yeah. and it's the it's the biggest fiddlers or like old time. I'm, yeah. It's gotta be, right? It's like 5,000 people come, right? Yeah, it's I mean... It's the biggest hippie old time. Well, yeah. all right. I mean, Galax, Galax is bigger, but what ends up happening is that Galax, well, it's more of like a town, like... Right. Can't, like, fair almost sure. thing, you know? But it's like a lot of those people are spectators. Right. It's but, also dedicated to bluegrass music. Right. Yeah. As well as old time. But yeah, Clifftop, uh, it's, it's a big competition. There were 88 fillers that competed. And they always do like you know the prelim round, and then there's the finals, and they they pick five people for the top five, and then they each play two tunes, and it's like really intense. Like I don't know, because everyone's watching. There's like a few thousand people watching you, and um, and I've I've watched the finals before and thought to myself in years past, like man, I don't know if I could ever keep it together and like be able to do be perform under pressure and. Um, I did. <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> it, was, it was very together. Yeah, it was. It was really. It was an honor, really. Yeah, you got trombone rag, so it really <laughs> sealed the deal. Yeah, that was amazing. Yeah, there's this Clark Kessinger tune called the trombone rag. I learned oh, a few years ago, and I, I honestly hadn't really played it recently. And um, but like. I'd always thought to myself that that would be a really... I, I want to play that if I ever make the finals, because not only is Clark a West Virginia fiddler, but, I mean, it's just such a goofy, wacky tune. Yeah. Uh, maybe we'll play it at some point. 
that like I don't think anybody would ever think to pull that one out you know so you wouldn't have to think about like oh is my version gonna be better than this person yeah. you know like they're very they're, I think they would just be really rough to like watch the finals and you're like the last one to go and then you see a person before you play the same tune you were gonna play but like yeah, yeah. and you're just like oh my gosh that's <laughs> so much better <laughs> or yeah. you know so no one else played trombone rag. No <laughs> one else did. Yeah. I don't think anyone would have thought of. <laughs> yeah. It almost verges on like trick fiddling, but done in a tasteful way. Yeah. And it's just fun. Because that's the thing. It's like fiddlers, can, like competitions. It gets really the, serious. It gets really serious when really it's all, I mean, it. there could have been 20 other people easily in the top five that yeah. are amazing, you know? And I know we've talked about that. Yeah. But, so it's like, well, <laughs> I have a chance to do whatever I want and this is yeah. like what I want to do this is me in this particular year so yeah and then I got to do it all again uh, for the band finals of Clifftop uh, I uh, coerced Mark and our friend Mikey uh, to do the band contest um, for the they have a traditional band and a neo trad band and we did the trad band as a three piece it was us and then Mikey played banjo um, he played three finger, this kind of like two or three finger style in the first round, and then we made the finals. And Mikey's a really great plectrum banjo player, which is like, it's a, almost like a tenor banjo, but uh, so it's got four strings, but it's tuned differently, and you play with a pick, and it's kind of like, if you think of like Dixieland bands, that's kind of the style. And I think that's the first plectrum banjo that's be, ever right? like performed <laughs> in the finals. But it totally is like, I asked Bobby yeah. Patterson, because we were like, Mikey's also a great harmonica player, and we're like, does this, like, what, because the rule is, as long as it was in a traditional band setting, and he's like, yeah, like, any instrument that was in a traditional, that was, like, known to be in a traditional band from the 1920s on, and harmonica and plectrum both fit the bill, so yep. it was really fun. Yeah. We got third. We got third place, so that was pretty cool. Cleaning it up. Winning in our book. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Looking for money. So we're gonna uh, thank you so much for being on the show. Um, Thanks for having us. Where do people go to find your music online? Hootandhollermusic.com. Uh, we got our, have our music on Bandcamp and Spotify. We're on Facebook and Instagram. We uh, just came out with a new album, and we've actually released it here in Australia before, before the states. Um, it's going to be released in November, so it'll have been out by the time this episode comes out. But it's a split album with our friends, the Old Time Snake Milkers, in Charlottesville, Virginia. We did uh, a few tracks, just Mark and I. A few of the tracks is, th is them. But um, and then we did a bunch all together, and we broke out into different ensembles. But we did this song, Looking for Money, as the full seven-piece band. And our friend Mikey, who did the band contest with us, plays harmonica. It's a fun time. It's a party album. So we've got some here with us. Uh, talk to us if you'd like one. Is there anything else I should say about it? Or should we just rip right into it? Yeah. Thanks, Amy. Thanks, Mark. Yeah. Thanks, Kim. Look for some money. Let's look. Yeah. We're all just looking for money. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Here we go.
are changing their band name. Soon, it will no longer be Hoot and Holler. But until their name officially changes, you can visit their website at hootandhollermusic.com to buy their albums and see their tour dates, and follow them at hootandhollermusic on Instagram and Facebook. If you follow them on social media, you'll probably be among the first to hear their new band name when they settle on one, and you'll stay up to date with their future projects. For example, I have it on good authority that they have a new album of original songs planned for next year. While you wait for that, buy their new old-time music album, Milkers and Hollers, a collaboration between Hoot and Holler and the old-time Snake Milkers. I about wore out my copy on the second leg of my Australian tour. It's very, very good. I especially like the song, Everything We Got, We Stole It. It's very relatable to me. Don't forget to sign up to support Get Up In The Cool on Patreon this month for some exclusive rewards. And if you can't, make sure to like, follow, and join the Get Up In The Cool Facebook page and group and share the video posts so more people can hear about the show. For any potential sponsors out there, I'll read ad copy for your musical camp or whatever it is you're selling. You can buy an ad spot by going to getupinthecool.com and clicking store. You'll get a pretty dramatic discount for buying three or more. Thanks again to Elderly Instruments for all the support. You can visit their website at elderly.com. I'm recording live Get Up in the Cool episodes at Earful of Fiddle in Michigan in June and the Kauai Old Time Gathering in Hawaii in November. So buy your tickets now so we can hang out. And I still have some room for other old time schools and festivals in my schedule. If anyone wants to hire me, you can reach me at getupinthecool at gmail.com. I can also teach banjo workshops and perform solo or band sets while I'm there. If you want to hang out with me twice a week, I have another podcast called Think Outside the Box Set. You can find that wherever you get your podcasts or boxset.website. If you're having trouble finding anything I mentioned in this outro, remember it's all linked in the show notes on your device, my website, and the Get Up In The Cool Facebook page and group. That's all for now, friends. Thanks for listening. Come back same time next week to Get Up In The Cool.